Amen. Good to see everybody this morning. Um, what I want to do is kind of, we're, we're kind of in a, a gap here in between series as we jump into the new year and jump into our, our, our messages next week uh, dealing with the topic of missions. I did want to kind of talk about the new year, and it's always a good time to reflect and time to look forward and to say, Lord, you know, what, what do you want to do different with me in this new year? And, and many times New Year's is a time we kind of recalibrate and we kind of say, okay, 2012 was okay. I could have did some things differently. If we were to look back at the beginning of, of uh, 2012, I know a lot of you maybe set some uh, New Year's resolutions for yourself that, that probably if I were to survey you guys this morning, most of you didn't keep but that's okay. And I want to talk about that because many times in the new years, we, we, we have these expectations for our, ourselves. We think it's a new year, fresh start, clean slate. Hopefully things will be, be better. So we set goals for ourselves and many of us will set these new year's resolutions and um, just taking a, 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 just a straw poll this morning. How many of you just real honest with me this morning, just between you and I this morning, no one else has to know, has to know about it. But how many of you set some New Year's resolutions for yourselves? You actually set some goals. Okay, three of you. Good. Okay. So I got a lot of type A personalities out there. That's great. How many just gave up years ago and just said, didn't work for me? All right, all you backsliders and non non motivated people. Well, I looked, I, I, I researched and, and I want to know what, what were some of the, the top New Year's resolutions and, and what were the top, and I, I came up, there was these top four things that most people set for themselves in the new year. What, what do you think that the number one New Year's resolution was? Anyone have any ideas? Lose weight. That, that was number two. That's good. Lose weight was was number, actually, that was number three. I'm sorry. That was number three. Any other guesses? Lose weight was number three. Stop smoking. That was it. Number one was to stop smoking. And Ruth said she may start tomorrow. And I'm just teasing Ruth. She doesn't smoke. I'm just teasing. Um, yeah, it was stop smoking. Then it was start to exercise. That's where you see all the commercials on TV now. That We go from the, the, all the, the Christmas commercials to the exercise commercials, all the, the, the health clubs to, to join those. Gym membership spikes in, guess what month? January. And everybody buys their membership for the year and then they never use it. So they love that. They don't, as long as you buy your year membership, if you don't ever go again, that's fine with them as long as you buy that year membership. So it, it's, it's exercise and then it's lose weight. And anybody guess what the fourth top one was? Get organized. You guys were good. Go to church. Yeah, that's good. Hopefully you guys don't need to do that because you come every week, especially those who come to the 830. Get organized. So you got all the Lowe's and Home Depot commercials all about organizing your home. So at the beginning of the year, we, we are. We're bombarded with the fitness commercials, the exercise infomercials. And my question always is every year, how many different contraptions can you make to make your stomach flatter? I have no idea, but they have a zillion of them. And many of you have four or five different stomach flattening contraptions in your basements right now 
that are great for drying clothes. So anyway, so you see all the talk shows revolve around these very topics. And, and the, one, the, the thing that's interesting about, about this is, is resolutions are not necessarily bad within themselves. Sometimes it's good for us to set goals for ourselves and, and, and try to establish something in our lives that we feel like, you know what, here's something I definitely need to work on in my life. And, and starting the new year is maybe the motivation that it gives me to do something different. They're, they're not bad within themselves. The problem with resolutions that can occur is this, is that once we fail over and over again to try to stop doing the things, whether it's smoking or whether it's trying to lose weight or exercise more, or I'm going to get things in order. The problem is when we fail over and over again, guilt and condemnation and a sense of failure can easily overwhelm us. And every time you see that commercial on TV, it just adds to the guilt of what you're not doing right. And here's the thing I want us to be careful and what I want to talk about in my message today is we, as we go into this new year, I, I think if we're not careful, that type of mentality can easily sneak its way into our walk with the Lord. And, and pastoring over 20, almost 23 years now, what I've noticed with a lot of Christians is they, they start off right. They, they experience God's salvation. And, and there's this sense of awe and wonder of God's freedom and Christ setting them free from their sins. How many remember when you first got saved? And, and you felt that newness of God's spirit within you. And you began to read God's word. You, the, the, everything was just sweeter. How many know what I'm talking about? It was just, it was just sweeter. You, you began to read the word and you enjoyed coming to church. And you began to desire to, to listen to, to worship music and to encourage yourself in the Lord and to be around other Christians. There was something very sweet when you first become a Christian. Then something happens we have an awe and wonder of God's grace and his, and his healing power to save our lives. And then after a while, something happens in our walk with, with many people. Is we, we lose the awe and the wonder of God's grace and we, we turn into these crusty old Christians. It, it, you know, and, and all of a sudden that awe and that wonder of God's grace begins to, to leave and we, we begin to set our, our lives into this pattern of, okay, now I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And, and then another well-meaning Christian might come alongside of you and start saying, start laying their guilt and their burden of legalism on your shoulder saying, hey, you know, you need to do this. And you know, you're not praying the right way. And you know, you, you've got to do this, that, and the other. And, you're, and all of a sudden that awe of wonder and being driven by God's grace to read the word and to come to church all of a sudden becomes a sense of duty now. Let me just say this right off the bat. The worst thing in the world for any follower, born-again believer in Jesus Christ who's been saved by his grace through, his, through our wonderful faith in, 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 in Jesus Christ, the worst thing in the world is when a Christian starts serving God out of a sense of duty. Because what begins to happen is it turns into this works turns into guilt and condemnation that all that wonder of being saved by God's grace leaves and all of a sudden becomes this works thing and this duty thing and this list thing and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do the other. Now, once again, 
reading, reading the word and coming to church are all wonderful things, but if it's not driven out of the sense and awe and wonder of God's grace and mercy, some of you here, you are so bound up that it's very hard for you to even lift your hands in worship and to express your love for the Lord because all you're doing is thinking about the past week and, you know, man, I, I made mistakes here. And Am I really a Christian? Am I really doing what God desires me to do? And you've got this heavy load upon your back as a believer. And, and what begins to happen is the joy of the Lord is literally sucked out of your life. Have you ever met other Christians that are just joy suckers and they just suck the joy of the Lord out of your heart? They're just Christians who aren't, there's nothing worse than a Christian who is just negative and just a downer all the time and just sucks the joy out of, you know, you, you'll be saying, man, isn't this so wonderful? Ah, yeah, well, not that wonderful. It's cloudy all day, you know, and you just talk to me, you get away. You're like, oh my God, yeah, you're right. It is cloudy and I, it's just lousy out and then you walk away and you're not encouraged you get the joy and then it's like i don't want to hang around that person anymore because they're just joy suckers they just suck the life out of me and that's not where the lord wants us he wants us to be in awe and wonder of his grace every single day and this is my prayer for you as your pastor in the coming year is that you will begin to live by god's grace every single day in your life that you will be driven by the awe and wonder of his mercy and his grace. And that will motivate you to want to serve him and love him and, and worship him. And if we're not careful, this resolution thing can sneak its way into our walk with, with the Lord. And, and, and there's this sense of, uh, of guilt that can lead our lives in a sense of duty, not out of a sense of grace and love for the Lord. So, so we need to be careful here. And, and, and I think for some of us, Sometimes just being good isn't good enough for some of us. There's always this next thing. Am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And so we, we lie to ourselves and we say, I need to do more of this. I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. I, I need more of the power of God in, in, in my life. And so the question we need to ask ourselves this morning, have, have we indirectly put ourselves into a prison of religion that actually Christ came to set us free from because it's so easy for that to happen in many believers lives as we grow in the lord and as we get around other very toxic i call them toxic christians they mean well but they come into the body and they come into relationship to you and they become toxic to your life because they're very legalistic in the way they think things should be done and they try to impose their legalism upon you on how things are supposed to be done. And if you don't do it their way, then you're not spiritual. And if we're not careful, we can begin to live our lives in this prison of religion that Christ actually came to set us free from. So this is the very culture that Jesus came in direct conflict with in his day. The so-called religious of Jesus' day were telling people how they were to act. And what they end up doing is putting a heavier burden upon them, which most people could not carry. And I'll be honest with you, some of you here today, you are so stressed out, you don't need to be told another thing. You don't need to be told what I need to do or how could I do this better. You are so stressed out right now that your walk with the Lord is just so unbalanced. It's teetering. It's not where it should be. 
And what I'm fearful about is that you've entered into this role of duty and religion and not this area in this arena of God's wonderful grace. And I just want to invite you to come back home. I just want you to, I want to invite you, come back to experience God's grace. Listen, I've been a Christian over 30 years pastoring and i see all kind of people dribble into our church and it's just so funny you got some people that are just they got the joy of the lord they they got it and you're like come on in and then you got other people the joy suckers that come in i said i know where this is going and i like say there's the back door please go some no i don't say that i'm like hopefully they'll experience and because of either the past or they've got put in this prison that they can't get out of because of legalism and, and just they're told what, what to do. I mean, I can remember I had one guy come to our church many, many years ago and I was reading out of like the NIV version or the ESV version. I can't remember what version. And I came to the back and he's like, you don't read out of the King James version. I said, it's a great version. Love the version. But no, I usually Sunday morning, yes, I read out a lot of different versions. So I just mix it up a lot. He's like, well, the church I came from, they said, if you didn't read from the King James Version, don't go to that church. I said, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was told. And he had this mental block. And he says, I don't think I can come back here. He kept coming back. And all of a sudden, one day he came up to me. He goes, God has set me free. I was like, what are you talking He goes, it's okay to read other versions. I'm like, oh, my goodness, really? That's what you've... What happened is there was someone else that just intoxicated them with this belief that there's only one version that Jesus read from, that the Apostle Paul read from, and it was the King James Version. So if it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for them. That's what they're taught. It's, actually, it was written in 1611, just to let you guys know. Okay, great version. Some of you the, but the problem is when you hear this over and over, all of a sudden you get bound by this, it's got to be this way. And if it's not this way, then you're wrong. And I've got to tell you that you're wrong if you're not doing it my way. That's, and some of you are like, really, Pastor, that happens? Yes, it does happen. And what begins to happen is we begin to live our life in this prison of legalism and do's and don'ts that Jesus actually came to set us free from. Maybe you can relate to this story. I read this true story of this woman, and I want to read this story to you. She wrote this from her heart, and let me just share it with you because some of you may be able to relate to this woman who wrote about her not being able to keep up, and she, she wrote how, how this made her feel when she was a young mom and trying to be a Christian and everything else. Let me just short, but let me read it to you. She says, my children were very small and I was trying to be a great mom, a great church member and a great wife. I was, I was not working out of the home, but that would have been a vacation compared to what I was trying to accomplish. In Sunday school, I kept hearing other members talk about their lives. Some said they prayed constantly while ironing, washing or mopping. They were thankful for all things. I tried being like those other women, but finally gave up. Gradually, I quit insisting that we all get up on Sunday morning and go to church. Trying to live up to the standards, I thought others lived by almost destroyed me personally. Now, there's a person that lived in the context in the prison of trying to be what other people thought she should be and trying to live like she thought other people were living. This woman eventually found freedom by talking with a missionary's wife who shared her weaknesses and was very transparent with her, sharing that she didn't always have it all together, which gave this woman freedom, realizing she didn't have to be 
perfect, Jesus wasn't expecting her to be perfect. If that were the case, we would all be instant failures. Somebody say amen. See, the problem is in our walk with the Lord, once we get away from grace and God's gift of grace to us to live our lives through grace, then we begin to, begin to walk in this other arena that now I've got to compare my lives to other people and now I've got to live my Christian walk in comparison to how everybody else is living their walk. So I've, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And that's where the legalism can set in. Am I doing this out of a sense of duty or out of God's grace? And for this woman, it became a sense of duty that she could never, it was an endless pit that could never be filled. And so she became an instant failure to the point where she just gave up Thank God for this missionary's wife that spoke into her heart and, and helped her to see beyond that to God's grace. You see, it's only by God's grace that we can truly serve him. It's only by God's grace that we can truly serve the Lord. That's it. God gives you the gift of his grace to serve him. And the moment you begin to serve God in your own strength, in your own will, by your own works, you've entered into the realm of legalism and works and do's and don'ts. And that's where the joy of the Lord and God's wondrous grace gets sucked out of your life. For this woman, she wasn't living by God's grace. She was living by the expectations that everybody else had for her or the expectations she thought a Christian, how a Christian should live. And so I want you to serve Christ through his grace and love. And there you'll find joy, not sadness. There you will find peace, not anxiety. There you will find freedom and not slavery. So how did Jesus, I, 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 it's just interesting how Jesus dealt with those who felt overwhelmed by religion and, and never quite measuring up. And here's the hope that you can have today. And I, I love this, that Jesus speaks this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 29 to those that are hurting, for those that are overwhelmed by religion and all the do's and the don'ts. And Jesus said to them, come to me, all you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Who was Jesus speaking to? Well, at that time, Jesus was speaking to those who had been oppressed by a legalistic form of religion mandated by men and not Christ. So what Jesus is saying is, listen, religion is man's attempt to reach God through their good works. And that's what Jesus came against with the Pharisees. I like what Randy Elkhorn says here. He says, every other religion is man working his way to God. Christianity is God working his way to men. And so what happens is men try to create this form of religion and then make everybody else try to fit into this form of religion that you've got to serve. And if you don't do it our way, you're doing it the wrong way. Where God comes to us and says, this is my way and this is how I want you to serve me. And so Jesus came to set those very people free who were burdened by this man-made form of religion that no one could keep. And so the moment we create all these extra rules in order to be holy is the moment we walk away from God's grace. And so what begins to happen is I begin to see my holiness is by what I do externally and how I look on the outside. Now, some of you, you're so foreign to this. Some of you may remember this. You may have grown up in these kind of churches 
where the, the dress had to be a certain length, hair had to be put up, there was no makeup, you couldn't go bowling, you couldn't drink Coca-Cola, you couldn't, you, you, you couldn't do this, you couldn't go to movies because you went to a movie house and the rapture occurred, you weren't going in the rapture. I mean, that, you're like, really, Pat? Yeah, yeah, that's the way I was taught when I was first in the church. I mean, those, are, those were all no-nos that you didn't do. And what began to happen, they, you begin to take on this form of religion externally to show how holy I am. But here's the false print. Now, listen, I think we should dress modest, modestly. I think we should always guard our eyes from what we're watching. I'm not giving us license for lascivious living. Okay, we need to guard our hearts. We need to w- be careful about what we watch, what we wear. I mean, I, those, all those things are biblical and important. But the problem is when legalism sets in, where does it end? There's no end to it. So it's, it's, it's got to be more and more and more and more and more. And then we usurp that and we place it on everyone else. So listen, the problem that, that we have in the church, if we're not careful, we end up placing our holiness in by how much I go to church, by how much I read my Bible. I don't cuss, chew, or go with girls that, that do. And this is what Jesus was coming against, this very philosophy during his day, listen to what he says to the religious of his day in Matthew 23, 23 through 28. Listen to what he says, because he has very harsh words here. Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, exclamation point, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income of your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, But do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so you don't accidentally swallow a gnat, which would cause them to be unclean. He says, but in fact, what you're doing is you're swallowing a camel. Jesus is actually being facetious here. He's being funny, right? He's saying, this is how ridiculous your laws are and your religiosity to try to keep yourself from becoming unclean. You'll strain all your water. So if there's this little teeny gnat that you can barely see if you swallow that, your law says that you'll become unclean. Verse 25, he says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you're careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. He's saying, listen, you need to wash your hearts. You're doing all this external things to look good, but meanwhile, inside is full of filth. Verse 27, what sorrow awaits you, teachers religious law, you Pharisees? You hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. And this is what he says in verse 28. He says, outwardly, outwardly, you look righteous. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Those words didn't come over real sweet to the Pharisees that were listening to it. In fact, Jesus cut right to the heart. He said, here's the problem with legalism. You can look so nice on the outside, but I can see into your heart. I see what's really going on in there, and I see the filth and the hypocrisy and the lawlessness. You're not, you think you're keeping the law of God, which isn't a bad thing, 
The law is there to keep us from sinning and for us to know what God requires of us. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but the problem is they use the law to externally look good on the outside, but inwardly their hearts were not changed at all. And not only that, but they were usurping this law to everyone else. And if you didn't live up to our standards, then you could not be spiritually elite like we are. See, they were more concerned with how they looked than what was really going on in the heart. And what Jesus did was he exposed their true, mo- their true motive. So here's where we need to be very careful. Listen, I'm going to boil it right down. Because as Christians, we can know the right words to say. We can be careful with our words. We need to be careful with the words. We we can know how to dress. We know how to act. We know how to say hallelujah, praise the Lord. We know how to go to church. We know how to read our Bibles. But, But here's where we need to be careful. Then why do I share little bits of gossip with someone else? You see... We're so concerned with how we look on the outside that, that I don't go bone, that I don't drink Coca-Cola, that I wear long skirts, my hair's up in a bow. But those very same people gossip about other people, right? And then what we'll do is we'll gossip about someone else and, and, and we'll use it to say, hey, could you pray for this person with me? And then we share all this information. But really, is it, is it just a type of sabotage of their character, You see, that's what Jesus really cares about. Listen, he wants you to be modest. He even tells them, listen, it's okay to to tithe off your your mint and and your dill and all this other stuff. That's okay. You, You can do, that's okay. He says, but the problem is you're doing these things, but you're not showing mercy and justice. You're a bunch of liars and 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 you're a bunch of gossips. He goes, that's what I'm really concerned about. So we need to guard our heart as believers because we can sit there all day long and read our Bibles and come to church. But on the other end, if I'm gossiping about somebody, what good is the other? Can I get an amen? I know I'm hitting it home now. I know I'm starting to step on some toes, but this is good for us to hear. So, so when the, the problem is when we are hurt, we want the world to know. And we want this other person to pay. And we want to gather our little armies around us, right? And we want to say, hey, I'm really hurt. Would, would you pray for this? And we, we disguise it and we wrap it up and we try to make it real spiritual. But if we were really to inspect our hearts, it's really hypocrisy. It's really filthy. It, it's really a, 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 a divisive way to try to sabotage this other person's character. And we've all done it. We've all done it. No one's immune from it. We've all done it. And so the problem is, this is where it goes from, God, am I, dri- am I being driven by your grace and your mercy through humility to say there is no offense in me that I should be offended about that hasn't died at the foot of the cross. Because if I really understand God's grace, Jesus died in spite of my filthiness. Jesus died in spite of all my sins. God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died and showed his grace for us. So if I'm driven by his grace, then I'm humbled before him and I have no right in my life to speak words of sabotage about another person. 
Because if I've humbled myself before the cross of Jesus Christ, then I need to do what's biblical and go directly to that person who has offended me and ask for forgiveness or offer forgiveness. Can I hear an amen? That's the biblical thing to do. But my heart, the proclivity of my heart, the default of my wayward, selfish, filthy heart is to disguise it spiritually to the intent of hurting that other person by gossiping about them. And Christ said, that's what you need to be careful about. Because you can do all the Bible reading in the world and you can come to church all you want and you can be wearing the right clothes and never go see a movie and do all these things to look righteous on the outside. But where is your heart? Because that's what I'm looking at. Those other things are great and wonderful, but where's your heart? Because that's really what I'm concerned about. You see, the Pharisees were very pious on the outside and they demanded that everybody else look like them. And that's the problem with legalism. Legalism is living by a standard of laws. Living by them proves my spirituality. So basically, legalism can be defined this way. It's a man-made rule to try to obtain righteousness or the righteousness of God. And that's what legalism does. It demands that we adhere to a certain set of rules to prove my spirituality. It's a list of do's and don'ts. But the problem with that type of thinking is, is the things we avoid is no guarantee that someone is spiritual. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you feeling me this morning? Can I get an amen? Are you, you're with me? Because that's the problem. Because I, I can carry my Bible around all day long, right? Carry around the big, huge family King James Bible. Carry it to work with you. Carry it around all day long. Look at my Bible. Look how spiritual I am. How you doing? And you're lugging this big. But the problem is, where is your heart? People are looking at the way you truly live your Life And for these Pharisees, they were not living their life according to God's standard. It's funny that we always obsess about the sins we never struggle with. Let me say it again, because that went, that went right off the pulpit and fell right here somewhere into the poinsettia plants. We always obsess and always talk about everybody else's sins, right? We always obsess about those especially the ones that we never struggle with. You see, we believe the lie that I am more spiritual than someone else by the things I avoid. So I compare myself with them and set myself apart from them to be spiritually superior. And I become more centered on the outward things than the inward change. Listen, even having your doctrine straight can be a noose around your neck if you're not careful that it becomes a pride issue. Oswald Chamber made this great point. He said, the way our heart is hardened is not by sticking to, it's by sticking to our convictions instead of to Christ. The way our heart is hardened is by sticking to our convictions instead of to Christ. And anyone, anyone can appear to be spiritual. And that's the last thing I want our church to do is to appear to have a form of, godly, of godliness with no power. To have a form of Christianity, but it's not an inward heart change 
because we've moved away from living a grace-centered life to a me-centered life. One of my favorite quotes by Randy Elkhorn, he says this, godly living centers not on what we avoid, but on whom we embrace. Anytime we talk more about do's and don'ts than about Jesus, something's wrong. The Christian life is far more than sin management, Behavior modification that's not empowered by God's heart-changing grace is self-righteousness as repugnant to God as the worst sins people gossip about. You see, Jesus came to set us free from the slavery of religion, free from guilt and condemnation, free from the fear of death, free from shame, free from trying to be someone that we're not. We're free to follow Christ, not because we are guilted into it, but we are free to serve him because we want to. Because God's grace has set you free. Isn't that wonderful change of a different way of looking at your relationship with, with Christ? So let me just give you a couple things here. I want to give you a couple things on how to live your life free and, and how to live by, by God's grace. I want you to understand that it's, Paul tells us in Ephesians that it's by God's grace that you've been saved through faith. It's by his grace. So everything we do in our life has to be done through his grace. So how do I live in the freedom of his grace and not actually sin and and be a carnal Christian? How do I live in God's grace and find freedom in my life and, and not walk under the heavy hand of condemnation and guilt all the time? How do I live in God's grace yet feel the conviction power of the Holy Spirit when I do sin and I am rebellious, that God draws me back to his side without just giving up. And, and like the woman we talked about in the beginning of the message, how do we get beyond that type of living to this type of living that is free to roam in the wonderful God-given grace that he, he, he wants us to enjoy in our life? Do you realize that God wants you to enjoy his grace? He wants you to enjoy the freedom that comes from serving him. So, so, so how, do, how do we do this? Let me just give you a couple things here. First of all, understand this. No one is perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't perfect. Okay, you ain't perfect, okay? Nobody's perfect except for Jesus, okay? I don't care. Okay, spouses, be careful. Okay, a little bit too much chat going on there, okay? Listen, somebody's like, yeah, let me, let me, I got the list for you right here, okay? There you go, I writ- New pastor's going to talk about this. Here's my list. Listen, how many of you have ever looked at someone else's life or someone else's marriage or someone else's kids and said, man, they got it together. Why, are, why is that my marriage like that? Let me just tell you, been pastoring a lot of years and you get to know people and you get to know behind the scenes of people's lives and it ain't all what it is, okay? It ain't all what you think it is, okay? Everybody has issues. Everybody is dysfunctional in some way. You're all mental cases, okay? I'm just telling you. Just to be honest with you, we're all mental cases. If we were just to dig into our lives, listen, we all got issues. We all got hang-ups. All of you have your idiosyncrasy things that are just weird, okay? And if you were just to tell people like, yeah, this is definitely, I'm a little bit OCD here. I'm a little bit, you know, just weird here. Like, like me, I'm just, I, I, I don't like germs. I'll be honest with you. I'm washing my hands all the time. And when I have to go to the hospitals, that's like a germ factory to me. And I was with the hospital with Pastor Mike a couple weeks ago, and we're going, and I'm, you know, every door I'm touching, I'm going like this with my sleeve, touching with my foot. You know, Mike's like, what is your 
deal? Are you Howie Mandel or what on steroids? What's your problem, you know? And I'm like, I just, I just, it just grosses me out. That's, we're, we're all weird. We all got our problems, right? We do. Admit it. So listen, in order to live by God's grace, you've got to, you've got to know that not everyone is perfect. Everyone has problems. We've got to give ourselves a break that time to time we're going to make mistakes. And listen, the grace you would want to receive is the grace that you need to give. The grace that you would want to receive for being a germaphobic, okay? I mean, my poor wife, God bless her. Pray for Kathleen. She's just the most godly woman in the world. She's got to live with me, you know? That's her lot in life. She married me, okay? Thank you, Jesus, for my wife. Listen, listen, every single one of us need to understand that the grace that God has given you is way beyond the grace you will ever have to give to anyone else. Just remember that. Remember that the next time someone cuts you off on the road or things aren't just as the way you want them or or people aren't as understanding as you want them to be or not as, as, as patient as you want them to be. It was just interesting. I had a conversation with a guy. We had problems with our iTunes accounts. I had to call, and I forgot what the security questions were. We changed computers. And I called the guy, and he was really nice on the phone. His name was Sean, really nice. And, and so he goes, listen, they've, you've tried so many times to try to get in there. They lock it down for like eight hours, so you've got to call me back tomorrow. So I said, okay. So he gave me his number, and I called him back, called me right back. And he goes, thank you for putting your trust in me to call me back. Not a lot of people usually do. They just call somebody else. He goes, I'm really glad that you trusted me to handle your problem. He fixed it like in five minutes. We had a great conversation. He was just a nice guy. He humbled himself. Man, that was really cool. He wasn't irritated with me. I, I, he was trying to take me through. I was on my wife's iPad. I, I don't have when she has. He's like, go to the, and I'm like, what screen do I need to go to? He goes, you got to go to your, where's this? I mean, I was like the biggest dumb ball. This guy's probably thinking, this guy has an iPad? He's, you know, he needs to have one of those kid computers, okay? Why don't you start there? Um, so he's taking me through it. And he was so patient with me. And I know that I was, oh, okay, I got to do this. And he was so patient with me. Listen, you're going to have people that are not going to be patient with you. You're going to have people that are going to be irritated with you. But listen, the grace that God has shown on you is, is, gonna, is way more than anything that you'll ever have to show to anyone else. So you need to live in that mentality that no one is perfect. And listen, No matter what atrocities were done to you, listen, no one stands beyond God's realm. No one does. That God will make everything right at the end. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No one gets away with anything. Whether you realize it or not, we're going to be talking about that at the end of January, about the judgment seat of Christ and the, and, and, the, and, and, the, and the white seat judgment of God of, of everyone on the earth, no one gets away with anything. And no matter how much you think someone's gotten away with something or the atrocities, no one gets away with it. We will have to stand accountable for the things we've done on earth. So here's the thing. God, th- thank God you're on Jesus' side, amen? If you're on Jesus' side, you've got nothing to worry about. But if you're not, You've got a lot to think about because you will be accountable for everything you've done. And if it's not covered in the blood of Christ through the forgiveness of the cross, then you're gonna, it's going to be laid bare for what it is. So no matter how much you think this person is getting away with, they aren't. They aren't. It's, it's, the Bible says it's appointed once for man to die, then what? Judgment. Judgment. 
there's going to be a judgment on what we've done and how accountable we were with our life living under God's grace. And there's God's common grace that, that every single person lives under, that God gives rain to the earth and crops, and there's that common grace. And then there's this wonderful grace that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. And my prayer for you is that you're under that wonderful grace. So understand that no one is perfect. Don't compare yourselves with others. Live your life for Christ. Here's the second thing I want you to realize. As as you're living free and living under God's grace, remember this, it's about relationships. It's about relationships. I think we lose sight of that. Jesus came to establish a relationship with you and I to cover our sins so that we could ultimately be in right relationship with God the Father, which none of us can be without Christ. In fact, the Bible says we're enemies with God before Christ, without Christ. So it's about relationships. Do all you can to restore relationships. Listen, I know some of you, you love to argue and you love to argue your point and you love to win arguments. I know, I know it's fun to to have your point and to win that argument. And I know there's a lot of hot button issues today that we can just get off on and just get so angry about and we're so passionate about what we feel and what we stand for. But listen, you can win the battle but lose the war. You can win the argument but lose the relationship. So if you're going to live a life full of God's grace, you've got to realize what's more important is me winning this argument or by me establishing this relationship to build a bridge for God's grace so that they can experience God's life-saving power. Are you hearing me? Nobody's hearing me. That's okay. Let that sink in a little bit. Let that soak. It really is. And I think what we do is for the sake of me being right and wanting to win this argument, I forego a relationship and strain and alienate that relationship instead of humbling myself and saying, hey, listen, we disagree here, but you know what? I don't want that to kill our relationship because you want to leave that door open to allow God's grace to touch that person's heart. Can I get an amen? You, the Bible says, you are Christ's ambassadors. Now, listen to me real closely here. Listen to me very closely. You are not ambassadors of the latest hot-button issue. You can have convictions about that. You can talk about That's fine. The problem is those things can usurp the gospel message of Christ. Those things can become more important than what God has originally called you to do. God has called you to be an ambassador of him to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Do you notice the, do you notice all the different issues in Jesus' life and he always seemed to go back to the gospel message? You notice that? Well, we're supposed to give to Caesar. What should we do? Caesar, Jesus looks at the coin and says, give to Caesar. What is Caesar's? Pay your taxes and give to God what is God. He didn't get into some political rant about how abusive Rome was, did he? Did he? No, no, we can have all our convictions about blah, blah, blah. That's fine. And some people will say to me, well, Pastor, how come you don't talk? You got to talk more. You got to get on this and just beat it and talk about this. And I'm like, no, I'll have my opinions and we can talk about it. But you know what? 
My opinions are meaningless compared to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. God has called me to be a preacher of the gospel message. I know some of these side issues are very polarizing and people get all hyped up and woohoo, we got to talk about it. But listen, God has called me to preach the gospel message because listen, unless hearts are changed, our society will not change. Hearts need to change and the gospel message is what changes hearts. So it's about relationships. Amen? Okay. And always remember that we're all a work in progress. So just be patient with one another. Not everyone's going to see it your way. I know your way is the best way, but not everyone's going to see it your way. I know others can, can't do it as well as you can, but be careful how you treat others, okay? Spiritually, we're all a work in progress. So be patient. I love Ephesians 2, 4. Paul says, but because of his great love for us, who is rich in mercy. God is rich in mercy for you. Now, Jesus was patient with Peter. He's patient with you. It's his love. It's his patience that leads us to repentance. And then listen, as we walk in God's grace, just remember to always speak the truth in love. Correction at times is needed. Love cares for others. Love propels us to seek the best in the other person at the expense of ourselves. So we're speaking the truth. Sometimes you need to stand in the truth, and this is the way I feel, and some people are going to be offended by that. Well, they're going to be offended by it. But if you do it in love, and this is why I feel this way, because you're compelled by Christ's love and you're reaching out to others, you'll have that balance of truth and love. And that's the problem that the Pharisees had. They understood the letter of the law, but they had no idea about the spirit of the law. They got the letter of the law, perfect. But they had no idea how to live it out through mercy and God's grace and love for other people. I love, all of you know this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, because every time you go to a wedding, you hear it. But this is not a wedding verse. It's okay to read it at a wedding. It can apply to married couples. But Paul says to the Corinthian church, because the Corinthian church was was just off kilter in spiritual gifts and they were doing all these external things that made them look spiritual and Paul had to correct them. So slid in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, which speaks of spiritual gifts, which is wonderful for the church and the edification of the church. He slides Corinthians 13 in there and says, okay, let's bring the balance to all the goofiness and all the silliness and the immaturity of you not really being mature in the way you use your gifts. And this is what he said to them. Listen, if I could speak, he's just really laying it out. He says, if I could speak all the language of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I could understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. And if I gave everything to the poor, even to sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Because love is patient, it's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of wrong or being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through all circumstances. And I believe if we can live our life through God's grace and love and his rich mercy that was bestowed upon us, 
you will not live in the, in the bondage, in the prison of legalism anymore. You will not live in the, the bondage of condemnation. And God, am I doing it right? Listen, allow God's grace to so overwhelm your love or overwhelm your life that his love compels you to do everything. His love compels you to want to read his word. His love compels you to show grace to somebody who shouldn't be shown grace. That can only be done through God's gift of grace in your life. It's the only way it can be done. And we have to be so careful in our lives as Christians because it's so easy for the letter of the law to take, to take mandate and take precedence over the love of God and, that, and it becomes very imbalanced in our life if we're not careful. And God desires you to live in freedom. Some of you here today, you've been struggling with the same sin for years and you're so bound by that thing and you're so condemned by that thing. And I think the problem is you haven't experienced God's wonderful grace that wants to give you the power to overcome that thing. Not because it's another checklist off your Christian life that you've overcome so you can be self-righteous now, but a thing saying, in my power and through my grace, I'm going to give you the strength to overcome that because I don't want you to live in that bondage anymore because I love you and I've come to set you free. And if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you, guess what? You can overcome anything in the power of God's spirit. And that's how we have to live our lives. Now, listen, there's a lot of people that have overcome a lot of sin issues without Christ, but they're still dead in their sin. Jesus says, I've come to set you free from the very thing that you can't overcome yourself. So begin to live in that power of that grace of why Jesus came. And, and I just, let me just finish with saying this. Listen, in order to live in that wonderful mercy, and even, even for those of you that are, are struggling in your lives today with something that you know is just you're battling with, let me just say this to you today as you live in God's grace. Jesus' love for you will not change. Jesus doesn't base his love for you by what you do or don't do, but he bases his love for you by what he's already done for you. You can't earn God's love. It's only through his wonderful grace that we can earn it, that we can desire it. It's only through his grace. We can't merit it. It's not. And, and some of you are like, well, God would love me more if I just give up. If I just stop this one sin in my life, I know God will love me more. And I know that my life will be better if you just listen. No, he still loves you. He still does. And, and, and that's, that, that's how we live in our world today. Our world today would say, you have to earn my love. It's, it's conditions. It's based on, on what you do for me. And, and Jesus says, listen, I've already loved you. I already gave my life for you. My love doesn't change for you. It's not conditional. It's unconditional. There's, there's not enough good things that you could ever do to make me love you more. I loved you when you were loveless. I loved you when you were a sinner. I, I loved you in, in that broken state. I loved you when you cussed me to my face before you knew me. I loved you and I still spread my hands out for you on the cross and allowed evil men to nail me to it. That's how much I love you. Why in the world would we ever try to gain God's love through what I do? It doesn't work that way. 
God says, I love you regardless. I gave my life in spite of what you've done. And some of you, you've got to re-experience Christ's love in your life again and realize that his love for you is unconditional. I love the words of Paul here. In Romans 8, he says, no, despite all things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who, what? Loved us. And he says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The only thing that can separate you from God is you. That's it. By your refusal to live in God's grace and accept his salvation by faith, that is the only thing. God says, I've provided everything for you to experience my grace and my power and my love through my son. But, but Paul nails it when he says, it's, through, it's by my grace through faith that you are saved. You're the only one that stops that. God never stops loving. He says, my love is available to all who come to me. I will no wise cast out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, shall not die in their sins, but God will give them the gift of eternal life. So some of you, God wants to take you out of this box, out of this religious shell that you've built in your life. And he wants you to begin to walk in this marvelous, marvelous, marvelous grace. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And this is what we're going to do as we close the service today. I, I, I want us to just commit our lives this new year by, by living through God's grace. And, and listen, there's some of you here today that you, you've got to stop trying. You're trying to do it in your own power. And God's saying, you've got to stop doing that. You got to do it through my grace. Let me give you the gift of my grace. Listen, listen, no one, no one is, is immune to this. Even the apostle Paul, when he had the thorn in his flesh, he prayed three times for God to remove it. God says, I'm not going to remove it, but I will give you my grace. For my grace is sufficient. And even in your weakness, I will be strong. And some of you here today, whatever struggle you're going through, whatever issue you're going through, God says, "My great, let me give you the gift of my grace because it will be sufficient for you. Let me show you my love and my compassion and what Christ did for you on the cross. Let that be the motivation for you to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to dig deeper into you this new year. I'm going I'm to experience your grace in a whole new way. I want to experience your grace by, by showing mercy to somebody who, who definitely doesn't deserve it. I want to experience your, your grace this year that even in, in my sufferings, I'm going to still worship you because I know you're good. And, and I know your mercies are new every single morning. I'm going to experience you in a new way this year by, by reading the word, not, not by did I read through the word and, 
in a year? Did I, did I get through it in a year and checked it off saying, oh, I, good, I read through the Bible in a year. But I want to be motivated by saying, God, through your grace and love, I just want to read your word. I, I want to be so compelled to know you more, not driven by a sense of duty, but driven by the sense of your wondrous grace that was displayed upon me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we were so driven by his grace that when we come to church on Sunday morning, we're driven by that grace that just, just can't wait to worship him and, and get with other get with other God's people and just express how much we love him, how thankful we are for everything he's done for us. I want his grace to be so powerful enough that, that when you wake up in the morning, you're not driven by the negativity of the day. That that's not going to dictate your response to Christ. But your response to Christ is saying, you gave me another day that I might praise you. Because this is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to, I'm going to enter your gates with praise. I'm going to enter your courts with praise and thanksgiving. You know, you know what the psalmist is saying there? When, when, when Israel would come in to, to the festivals and they would come into the temple, they would first enter through the gates and they were getting excited because they knew that's where God's presence was, that they were going to be with other people of, of God and they were going to worship the Lord because the temple represented the presence of, of God. And that's why God would call his people together into Jerusalem. And they would enter the gates around Jerusalem that would eventually lead up to the temple steps. And as they opened the gates, their hearts would be excited. Can you imagine when, we, when the greeters open the doors to the church, the gate of the church, and you come in and you're excited to worship. And then, and then you come in to, to the courts of praise and the doors open the sanctuary and you're ready to worship the Lord because you're excited about what God's going to do in your heart. Imagine if we got to that point, it'd be electrifying in this place. It would be, as the teeny boppers say, off the hook. I don't even know if they say that anymore, but I might be about five years too late on that one, but that's okay, all right? Give me, give me, give me a little grace, all right? Give me a little grace, teenagers, okay? A little grace to Pastor Old Barden, okay? Listen, that's what he desires. So here's what I want us to do as we close. We're gonna commit our lives. And, 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 and I wrote out a prayer for you. And I, I, we're going to say it together as a church. And you're going to say it whether you want to say it or not. No, I'm just teasing you, okay? I want you to say this. So I want you to stand, okay? And we're going to say this prayer together. And then we're going to finish by just sealing this time by, by worshiping the Lord in this last song. And so I, I want us to say this together. So I, I want you to bow your hearts with me. And this is, this is how I want you to live. So, so let's, no, keep playing because that was good. Keep playing. Don't, don't stop playing. That was good. Okay, now listen. Here's what I want you to do. You're going to repeat this after me. And, and we're going to worship God after. And we're going to thank him for what he's going to do in this new year. And this is our prayer. God, we want to be grace people. We want to live by the abundance of your grace in this new year. So I want you to bow your hearts, close your eyes, and let's, 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 let's say this together. All right? This is how, how I want you to live. Here we go. Jesus, your love... Your death for me compels me to live for you. I want to please you and to give up the things I know will hurt my relationship with you and others. I know you can't love me any more than you do now. 
allow me to live for you because I'm free to. Your love will never demand me to live for you. Thank you for your grace that allows me to confess my sins and to be healed by you. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord praise. That's our prayer for the new year. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this song unto the Lord. God bless you in your worship. All the longing of men's souls Only you can satisfy All the need to be made whole Only you can satisfy
Listen, if any of you need prayer, our prayer partners will be up front. Anything you're going through, just need, need prayer about, we'd love to pray with you. Remember the Bibles. If you guys don't have Bibles, the Bibles are free in the back of the seats. If you made a commitment to Christ today, make sure you pick up one of those Bibles. And maybe some of you want to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you're new to the whole Christian thing. We've got a free booklet on the Narthex uh, table there. The information we'll call What Now? You can take that. We have... Uh, God's words for today, too. For those who want devotional books, feel free. Those are all free and take those. Otherwise, happy new year and go in God's grace. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Amen.